on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. The voice of the TCU Horn Frogs, Brian Estridge, joins us to preview OU TCU in the National College Football Roundup. We preview some of the best games in week seven of college football, including Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kentucky, Georgia. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and Cleveland Browns, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, October 14th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in October from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Monster Mansion of Money promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes if you need help finding your way. Just visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And Teddy, before we get to the football, and we got a lot of football to talk, birthday shout-outs. Yes. Happy 27th birthday to Hunter Rice. And Hunter, we we were glad that we could inform you that Mike Hosty wrote Oklahoma Breakdown and not Stoney LaRue. So yeah. we're yeah. We're here There's a large think. segment of people out there that do not know that. The intro song we use is the original. Original. Ruse is a remake. Fun fact. If you didn't know that, right. now you know. And happy 29th birthday to Stephanie Stern. Happy birthday, Stephanie. Happy birthday, Steph. Awesome. And Stuff. football talk. It's been an interesting week for Oklahoma. Interesting week, Ted. You had your what? you had what happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what are you talking about? You had your show with Lincoln on Tuesday. Anything stand out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something did stand out. Lincoln, the way he talked about the quarterback situation in the Texas game, gave me a a totally different perspective about what I think he may do or uh, like his line of thinking he said that you know when he took Spencer Rattler out he it, it was just kind of like last year 
you know, um, wanted to pull him out, give him, uh, cool him off a little bit, try something else, see how, how it would go. And, and, you know, last year it didn't go all that great. So we went back to Rattler, but it went better this time with Caleb Williams. But he said he considered throughout the game maybe putting Spencer back in and said that he even considered putting him in for the final drive because of the final drive he had against West Virginia. And just listening to the way that he was saying all that, it, it just made me think that we haven't necessarily seen a like a wholesale we've we've flipped the switch at quarterback and it's not going back. Now, I do believe that you know Caleb Williams is is the guy that's got the hot hand right now, but I don't know. It was just the way he presented it kind of I don't I don't know, changed my mind or I was less sure that it was Caleb Williams offense from this point on. Right. And you have to start Caleb Williams, though, right? Well, yes. But Lincoln, he loves to screw with people a bit. He loves to have an ace up his sleeve. He loves to throw a curveball. And he knows everyone in the world is thinking that exact same thing. So that's why I'm unsure of it now. Like I was, I was dead sure, like without a doubt, you start Caleb Williams. And I still think that that's the case. All I'm saying is I've got just this little tiny part of me that thinks, man, it would not shock me if Lincoln Riley did something different than what everyone was expecting. Yeah, it's, it's obviously going to be very interesting to see what happens. On Saturday night, I'll say this. I'll be surprised if we don't see both guys. I mean, I would I would be surprised if we don't if we if we don't see both guys play, but with with what happened in the Texas game, and then Ted, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. You you played four years of college football. I played four and a half. Did anyone that you played with ever get a personal day off? Um, I know some guys that took a personal day off <laughs> on Just their wondering. own. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I gave them the day. Really? Okay. I don't Just... know anyone that, that necessarily, you know, was, was handed a personal day, but I know guys that, that took them. <laughs> <laughs> just interesting so it's yeah no i agree I, i'm very interested to see what happens and really i i don't think anyone knows how that is going to go other than lincoln Riley. i really don't like i don't even think the quarterbacks now i yeah. think it's going to be off of lincoln's feel for the game uh, he's the only guy that knows how how it's going to go at the quarterback but, position. No, he Saturday may start night. both of them. He may put them both out there at the same time. You never know what Lincoln's going to do, man. Could you imagine the fan reaction, the confusion, the torn emotions? Uh, what? Uh, 
it would be confusion at first, but then that place would go crazy, especially if they had some like trick play that they hit on. That would be awesome. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know one thing. Gary Patterson is having to look through a lot more tape now. Well, he's probably not looking through it. He's probably got GAs doing it for him. But I mean, you got to go back. I'm sure he's looking hard. And he said basically this publicly. He's he's probably looking pretty hard at that 2019 game, right? When Jalen Hurts was a quarterback, they were doing a lot more QB run stuff. So it it adds a wrinkle to the game. And yeah, Lincoln Riley's not going to tell Gary Patterson his plan at quarterback. It, it, it's not going to happen ever you know who wouldn't tell the opponent that what quarterback they were going to play gary patterson he would never do it if he was in this situation so little gamesmanship but yeah that's uh that's all anybody wants to talk about is the quarterback situation but really i think it's it's up to lincoln riley i mean it's that simple and the running back situation is interesting to me heading into this one, Ted, because Kennedy Brooks coming off a career performance. Eric Gray did some really good things in the Texas game. He was so close to breaking a couple long ones. It will be interesting to see when Marcus Major starts factoring into the running back rotation. Because, dude, I will say this. After seeing him on the sideline at the Texas game, he has added some thickness to him. I mean, he he looks different than Brooks. He looks different than Gray. He he looks solid, man. He's clearly he's a bigger back. So I do think with how powerful he's looking right now, I do think there is a role for him to complement those two guys. I don't know how significant of a role, Ted, but he looks like he can help this football team. I'll say that, man. Well, I think he's, I think he's, I mean, since he, since he got here as a true freshman, I think he's an outstanding all around back. I think he can, he can do it all. And we kind of got to see some of the best of that against Florida and how effective he can be. And yeah, man, whenever, whenever everyone else is practicing football and you're doing curls over on the side and uh hitting some bench press and you know running sprints and doing all those things it's essentially he got almost a an extra summer you know it's been it's been a long time that he's been able to sit over there and and get the the body right so coming in with fresh legs straight out of the weight room could be a nice little little uh, extra punch there and maybe he's the the closer back that that Lincoln Riley typically has that they go to four minute offense late that sometimes once again, our football minds are starting to just <laughs> mesh. When I saw him instantly, I was like, Trey sermon roll. You remember when he just, yeah. it's like he didn't play hardly at all. And then all of a sudden he's getting all the carries in the fourth quarter. He's just running through people and finishing games. I, I don't know if they trust Marcus major that much, but and give the guy some credit. He's been he's been running scout teams, so he's been playing a little football. I'm sure he's. Oh, been has he? I didn't I didn't know if he was able to do that. Yeah, yeah, but he. I, I'm sure, you know, being ineligible, he got some extra lifting in as well. <laughs> I'm sure uh, you're yeah. spot on with that. But it it was just interesting because I saw him last Saturday, and I was like, damn, okay, I he looks like a guy that can help this team. Okay, looking at the other side of things. Ted, I think that 
we saw some interesting things on the defensive line against Texas, right? They, they ended up playing pretty dang well in the second half. I thought they had, they had quite a bit of success when they kicked Isaiah Thomas into the interior of the defensive line. And, you know, he, he again is a guy that can move all over the board. So that's, it's always good, especially, uh, especially uh, until Jalen Redmond gets back. But you think we're going to see a shakeup in the secondary? I don't know. I don't know how much you can shake it up until you get Woody Washington back. I mean, that's the one thing that we got to remember. We're probably we're missing our most experienced safety and our best corner right now. And it's just we've got good depth and we've got guys back there that can play. uh, But you are just missing something there. I just don't know. I don't know if it's better to continue to go down roster, if that makes sense. You know, um, I think they're trying to throw the best guys out there. You know, Latrell McCutcheon, he, he wasn't, he wasn't that bad. He had a mental mistake on one where he missed the rotation. Right. And he's supposed to be the deep third player. And by the time he realized it, it already got run by and you're not going to make up that ground. So that's not necessarily like, I'm not trying to excuse that you got to be better. You can't have those mistakes, but that's not like a, a physical issue. Like you just can't cover. And the touchdown late was way too much time for the quarterback to throw and a, a perfect ball and a great catch. And he was in good position. So I think they're going to be okay. Like my biggest thing defensively is I, I think it's time to start shortening the rotation and at this point we've got enough data throughout the season to know who our best guys are and who our most productive guys are and I think we got to start upping the snap count I mean it makes sense early on where it's way way hotter right Uh, you're not in great football shape like game shape there's totally different uh, feeling between practice reps and game reps but Man, we're six games in. If you can't if you can't play at a high level for a big chunk of those snaps, a bigger chunk than, than what most of those guys have been playing, then there's something wrong there. So I think if we start narrowing that rotation a little bit in the front seven, I think it'll help that secondary out quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, I, I was I was looking at some of the things defensively from the Texas game, and obviously we all saw Jaden Davis struggle. Like it, it was. You know, everyone, everyone that has eyes saw that I do you can Billy Bowman play like corner, like not nickel, but like, and I know that they do some things, put some guys in some interesting spots when the, when the offense moves around a little bit, but can he play true corner? Like, because it seems like they're pretty comfortable with Broyles playing at the nickel position. I'm just wondering, like, maybe you get Key Lawrence on at safety. I, I'm just wondering because it, it it feels like they need to find, especially who knows how long DTY is going to be out re-aggravating the hammy. Like, they need to find some guys to solidify in a few spots. I, I don't know. It was just something I was thinking about. Well, there's there's no doubt that he's got the speed and he's got the quickness to be able to play corner. Um can he? Yeah, I think 
mentally corners the easiest position defensively on the field to play of the back end guys like linebacker safety uh defensive back guys i think mentally yeah you should be able to it's not that hard you're either man-to-man with inside leverage or outside leverage you're a third player you're a quarter player or you're a flat player that's it there is nothing else there's nothing else and whenever you play nickel blitz rotation i mean you can ask to be a flat player a third player like all in the same play with rotation as a deep safety now all of a sudden you're you're up on the line of scrimmage playing the edge as as an edge edge player in the run fit so mentally yeah i don't think there's any doubt physically i know he's got the tools it's just would the would they be willing to try that out i don't know yeah it's just just something i was thinking about Okay, a uh, quick scouting report for TCU. Offensively, they play in 11 personnel a little bit. Sometimes they even bring a fullback on the field, but really it looks like their most dangerous stuff is out of 10 personnel, so meaning four wide receivers, one running back. At points in time, they get those super wide splits with their wide receivers, uh, kind of like you used to see from uh, Bryles at Baylor. So Ted, when they do that, it becomes pretty hard to disguise what you're doing defensively. Right. And I know that Grinch and that staff, they do a good job of coaching their kids up, you know, kind of lining up the same, whether it's going to be, you know, a middle of the field open or middle of the field, closed defense. They do a good job of kind of making everything look the same, but when they're that wide, it's hard to disguise things. Yeah, it is. And you know, I I get really frustrated when guys are late to their responsibility because of a disguise. Typically, the you might be able to fool a young quarterback, but you ain't fooling the guys on the on the other sideline or up in the press box. I they know they can see where the underneath guys are lined up for the most part, they already know what you're in. So just go ahead and get in it. So I I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of disguise whenever they don't have the opportunity. Honestly, last year, I bet if we played, if the game was 70 snaps defensively, I bet 60 of them were cover threes, just straight cover three. Single high safety in the middle, Safety down in the box, playing zone, and they just they just rolled with it. And I wouldn't shock me if they did the same exact thing this year. Um, they know if they stop the run, they're going to be in a really good spot. Um, I I think that they'll probably play a ton of either cover three or cover one, which is just man to man with a single high safety. I think you're going to get a ton of that from us. No really no real reason to disguise it. Gotcha. Well, then at that point, it comes down to whipping their ass up front and tackling well. That's it. Unfortunately, number six for them is a pretty damn good football player. Uh, Zach Evans tackling that man is not an easy task. Now, he did miss the second half of the Texas Tech game last week, but I ain't buying it. That dude is a specimen. He's gonna be on the field on Saturday night. Kendra. Kendra Miller, not too shabby of a running back either. 
the quarterback, Max Duggan, he is, he is a threat in the run game and maybe even more dangerous scrambling. But they've got some burners at wide receiver with Darius Davis and Tay Barber. I also expect their big stud wide receiver, Quentin Johnston, to play in this game. Duggan has been much better pushing the ball down the field this year. No one in the league, no one in the Big 12, has completed a higher percentage of their passes past 20 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's doing, he's doing a good job pushing it down the field. That's the one thing some- that worries you is the whenever you are playing single high, whether it's cover three or man-to-man, it's it's the deep ball that worries you. And if Quentin Johnston's in the game, goes about six foot four and is a burner, and you're out there on the edge, that that can be a problem. But the good thing is Max Duggan absolutely stares down his receivers, maybe more than any quarterback I've seen. He almost got one of his players murdered in the game against Texas. He looked off a safety to the same side that he threw the seam ball on. Daniel got the guy killed. Uh, if, if, if it was 10 years ago, the guy would probably be out for the season. But, um, yeah, that is the thing that worries you, though, throwing the football down the field on us because we are coming out of the last couple of weeks where that's been an issue. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. But I'll say this about their offensive line. I've been very critical of them in the last couple of years. This group's better. Uh, they're they're more consistent. They do they do a solid job. They've now they've had some guys in and out of the lineup. They've had guys banged up, but center is a solid player. Both tackles, yeah. good players. So this is I in my opinion this is the best offensive line TCU's had in you know several years. Yeah, and you pair that with a athletic quarterback and a a really good running back. The thing that's going for us is their offense is so incredibly vanilla that it is, it's ridiculous. And that's really not what gives us problems. You know, what gives us problems is whenever you run all kinds of different plays and different looks and, and, and different motions and shifts and, all of those things, that's that's what gives us trouble. I'll say this. I think Evans is so much better when they go out of the pistol than whenever they go out of the traditional shotgun and he, he starts off lateral in the zone game. When he's in the pistol and he goes more downhill, boy, he can, he can get going, turn it into a 10, 15-yard run in a hurry. He, when he's going downhill, I mean, you'll you, – Oh, you fans that are going to the game, you'll see it. He looks like an NFL running back. You're going to see number six, and you're going to go, oh, okay. Like, yep. just physically speaking, he is more impressive looking than B. John Robinson. He's bigger. His lower half is thicker. Like, he looks like a next-level back. So, I, I guess it was a foot. He hits the hole, too, now. So, don't be surprised. If if number six uh, rips off a few runs, oh, it took me forever to find that stat. But this comes from our buddy uh, Parker Stats of War on Twitter, big analytics nerd. So this is the percentage of attempts 
20 plus yards down the field. So it wasn't the percentage of completions. It was a percentage of attempts, 20 plus yards down the field. Max Duggan, 25.6%. So one out of every four of his passes. They're testing you. They're testing you. So basically what I'm saying is Zach Evans is a stud and Duggan's going to let it rip a little bit down the field. And that probably comes from people having to play them aggressive in the box to try and stop the run, and they get a lot of good looks to to t- throw it down the field. And he he breaks contain quite a bit and gets into scramble drill. Yep. Okay, defensively for TCU this season and the you know the previous seasons under Gary Patterson, the vast majority of the time you will see them in nickel personnel with a four man front. So four down linemen, five defensive backs. They play a ton of cover four. Now, it's not normal cover four. It's, it is a version of that coverage that Gary Patterson invented and has perfected. And coaches respect the hell out of it and study it, and it's taught at every coach's clinic. It is his baby. They also play quite a bit of cover one, but – the cover four, the variations, this little triangle concept that they play, they are just, uh, I mean, it's what they do. So that is unique, but they don't blitz a lot. When they do, they'll bring the nickel off the edge. Uh, they'll blitz some corners. That's what they do, man. They line up and they don't play a ton of things. But the last couple of seasons when they play Oklahoma, they, it's not a completely different defense, but it, they basically play two defenses against OU. And I think it's a sign of respect from Gary Patterson for Lincoln Riley because instead of their four-man front, it's about 50-50 the last couple of years. They're in the three-man front. They're playing dime, not nickel, which Gary Patterson basically invented. They're playing dime, and they're playing more coverage. So. I would anticipate seeing something like that. So if you've watched TCU this year from a structural standpoint, the majority, not the majority, but about half the time, it's going to look different than what you've seen this season from them because they play OU differently. What do you think with the way that our our offensive line is played? What do you think is the best way to play them with a four man front? Or with the three-man front? I I have always been a fan of a four-man front as a center. I It's just it much easier on more the defined. Yeah. Because everything's more defined. The run angles are easy. That's why – and I think that's why Gary Patterson does some of the things in the three-man front against Oklahoma is he, he knows it jacks up some of the run angles. Right? He knows that. And he's an extremely smart football coach. But – the, the reason he does what he does against OU, I think, is he basically looks at Lincoln and said, hey, you love your big shot plays. I'm going to make you be patient. How long are you willing to be patient? And they'll sit in that three-man front, and it's just like, all right, run the ball. Keep running it. Keep running it. And he's basically going to dare Lincoln again to play boring. Now, Lincoln has also put up some – some solid offensive numbers against TCU. And I, I will say this when it comes to how to attack this defense, 
anyone that watched the SMU game, well, SMU, I don't know if you know this, but the offensive coordinator is Lincoln's brother. They basically just ran a bunch of plays that OU has torched them with over the last couple of years, and they ran zone and mauled TCU. So I think from OU, you're going to see the zone stuff. I think Lincoln's done a bunch of split back stuff against TCU in the past, going back through the games the last couple of years. And those Franklin, uh, they showed some better things in the gap stuff against Texas. They're going to carry some of that over. They've but, killed them in the split backs with the in the passing game with the backs out of the backfield. Yeah. And then the Hurts year, right? They did some of the stuff just with both of those backs and then QB run game off of it. Like mm-hmm. Lincoln, especially if Caleb Williams is playing a lot of snaps, Lincoln's creativity is about to go off the charts in this yep. game. It is going to be a, it's going to be a battle of wits between him and Patterson. Yeah, it's wild. You know, split backs, whenever you've got – so if you've got two backs in the backfield and you've got two wideouts over here and one over here and you play cover four to it, well, over here with the two-receiver side, the the safety in quarters has to buy the number two on anything up the field. So if you get one and two up the field, the outside quarter player is bought, the safety is bought, and your overhang player just kind of ends up in no man's land. And the guy in the backfield is the Mike backer. And he's got him everywhere. That's the one thing that's bad about cover four is the inside players on that cover. You got four deep and three under. There's a lot of onus on the three underneath players. And if you can clear everyone out and isolate a Mike backer on a running back on a vertical route, it's not very good. Especially when, because you can do a bunch of different things with the back, so it, it it's a it's a good scheme against cover four. Yeah. Okay. For call your shot, I forgot to put the tweet out. <laughs> I just realized it. So, you guys all, you guys all that listen, we love hearing what you guys have to say about the game. Just tweet at me. Uh, tell me I'm an idiot. Uh, don't tweet at Teddy. It's not his fault. It's it's solely my fault. So at Gabe Eichard on Twitter. Let me have it. That's all on me. First time in a long time I forgot to put the call your shot question out there. I can tell you what it would have been. Caleb Williams is going to throw for 300 and run for 300 against TCU, and the offense scores 70 points. Yeah, it would have been something like that, right? (laughs) Probably. To my defense, I was in a hurry to get to a dinner. Normally when I tweeted out, to get to a dinner for my mother's birthday. Oh, how about so that? So maybe when you're insulting me, which I still expect the insult tweets, but when you're insulting me, just keep that in the back of your mind. It was for my mom. So we got a birthday shout out, shout out to Hunter Rice and Stephanie Stern, but not to your mom. Becky Pasternick Eichard. <laughs> 41 again, mom. Congratulations. Awesome. Awesome. She's the best. All right, let's get to our preview with the voice of the Horn Frogs, Brian Estridge. But first, the only place to stop when you are road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24 access to clean and safe places. And Love's has given us a $25 game day gift card giveaway each week. This is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at a Love's on your way to the OUTCU game this weekend. And make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and the Love's Twitter account. 
We'll contact you if you're the winner. Pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forgot your phone charge or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com and make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here he is. Here's Brian Estridge. It is our pleasure to be joined by the voice of the TCU Horn Frogs. He also he dabbles in stand-up comedy for a play-by-play guy. He's he's he considers himself one of the funniest play-by-play guys in all of college football. Brian he's a crowd, is in the house. I, t- I tell you what I am though. I'll be honest with you fellas. There's a lot of things that I dabble in, but I am a professional ice cream eater. So <laughs> there, there there's some things that I will say that I'm an amateur at. But when it comes to Bluebell ice cream, you're looking at a pro, bro. I don't know. I would say that I hold the record for Choco Tacos at the Kansas State press box. So <laughs> not if bad. You, if you can knock that one out, you got me. Which, which has to be the only press box in the country that has strawberry milk. It is. Yeah, I it's got to be. It's got to be. No other press box in the country has strawberry milk. It's like I walk in there and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm eight again. You know, and I'm thinking, if only I had, if only I had some booberry cereal, this thing would rock, you know, it'd be so good. If guys, if we don't get just straight to it, like this is going to last forever. You know, us (laughs) for that. I mean, seriously, I could do cereal talk. If you guys want to do that, I get 20 minutes of cereal talk like Uh, Captain Crunch, (laughs) you know, like if you go crunch berries. And do you have you ever seen those that they make like the mistake ones at, at like around Christmas where it's all berries for the Captain Crunch? Dude, those are so good. But bottom line, Fruity Pebbles, number one. It's pretty good. Lucky Hard Charms. How about this? My wife just buys Amazon sells the big po- uh, package of just the mush of uh, the marshmallows out oh, just of, the marshmallows yeah that's it yeah. don't even mess with the rest of the See, cereal teddy you and i could we could do this <laughs> but gabe's like i only eat total and grape nuts you know and we, so he's like out dude he's got nothing to, he, you know he, he can't do any like you and i we eat the cereal for the milk you know i just want the cocoa pebbles milk at the end of the day you know you what's left over meanwhile you know gabe is over i can i get some skim milk on my grape nuts please it's you know it's when I do eat cereal, it's still the go-to. It's what? frosted flakes with the slice oh, in it. Hard to beat. Yep. Hard to beat. You know, I'm going to give you an anti-American thing before we get into the uh, Oklahoma TCU game. 
I'm out on Apple Jacks. Out. I kind of am too. It's the <laughs> Apple Jacks are way down there in the cereal. It the top of my ranking. mouth, man, or something. I don't know. I'm like, man, these. I don't know the little, the little, uh, the little red things that are on the on the ring. They like. Cut you I don't know. Yeah, like I'm I'm out on the Apple Jack. So. Are you avoiding now, talking TCU? Is that what's going on? A Saturday, night, it's a Saturday night game in Norman. You guys are coming <laughs> off a win against Texas. I mean, what, what do you? I mean, what do you want to know? <laughs> the The first thing I want to know is who, yeah. who all is going to play. That's a for great TCU question. because I mean, I and I know what Gary said this week about Duggan and Evans and, and Johnson all being questionable. Right? They've been missing. I mean, how long has Bethley been out for them on the defensive line? Noah Daniels has missed a ton of time. Like, Brian, they've had some of their best players miss significant time. Who who are you expecting to at least see on the field for the Horn Frogs on Saturday night? Potentially me. I mean, that's what we're down to. You know, I got fitted for a helmet day, which is weird because they called me like a 10, 15, said, hey, can you come down here? They fit me for the helmet. I'm like, okay, I don't know what the, I thought it was like a photo shoot or something, but no. Then they took it and they said, okay, to be ready for you uh, Friday afternoon. I'm like, geez. Uh, I mean, that's what we're down to. No, I, I think that uh, I, I think a couple of things. I, I think some of it might be coached off. You, you guys know a little bit about that this week. Um, th- th- it, it might be coach talk, but I think some of it also is legitimate banged up. I mean, let's face it. Be- Bethley's banged up. Uh, Kyrie Coleman's been banged up a defensive end. Uh, you, you got Noah Daniels in the, in the defensive backfield that's been banged up. Deshaun McEwen's a guy who's not played the last couple of weeks at, at DB as well. Uh, you got Bud Clark who's banged up in the defensive backfield. I mean, this is a team that's not, in you know, health-wise – when you pick your poor, you you pick certain parts of this team and, and they're and they're struggling right now. Uh, you know when you when you when you look at uh, when you look at Zach, I mean, you know, he didn't play in the second half. What do you say to that? I mean, that, that that's got to be something legitimate. So I I think there's some you know Max is another one that you know he he's going to fight through. I think he'll be there. But I mean, I, this team's not at a hundred percent, fellas. Well. It- if they're not at a hundred percent and you, and you come into town against, against OU who's riding high after that big win, uh, just on the offensive side, can they, can they even, can they hang? If, if you don't have oh, even just one of those guys, come on, come on Teddy, this is in Angelo state now. I mean, we ain't going that. <laughs> far, bro. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, th- this is still a pretty good offensive line. Maybe the the most and I, and I and and you guys know me I'm a straight shooter. This is um this is maybe the most athletic offensive line TCU's had uh, since I've been here. They, I mean they 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 have good feet. Uh, they they love it when this team plays with tempo. They'll play a little bit quicker. They've been banged up a little bit, but what they have shown is some versatility. Guys have been able to move around along that offensive front. So I, I think it's an athletic group. Uh, they have proven that they can run the football. I mean, obviously with Zach back there, that helps a lot. Uh, Kendra Miller, you know, with a hundred plus yards in the second half as well. You, you saw a couple of the runs that he broke off uh, against Texas Tech. Uh, you know, you get Demarque Foster's a guy who's not getting a lot of touches right now. Mari DiMicardo has been here for a while. I think they can run the football. Here's what TCU I think has to do. I think they got to slow the game down. I think they got to reduce the number of possessions. You know, if they can establish the run game and sort of control the clock a little bit, 
you know, I think that gives them a really good opportunity Saturday night uh, in Lubbock. But you, uh, you, you, here's the other thing you guys know. I mean, Gary Patterson's teams don't quit. You know, they're not going to walk in there thinking, oh, shoot, Teddy said we're going to get our butts beat by 40. Then They're not, they're not going to think that. Uh, they're going to they're gonna go into that game thinking they're going to win. Uh, and, and Gary's going to remind them about Ty Gunn winning there, you know, uh, in what was that? Two, I get the years wrong. Was that 2005, something like that, going up there and winning? Uh, he, he's going to remind them of games where TCU is, you know, has gone on the road and been successful. And so I, I think that's what they're kind of counting on Saturday night. I, I like what I've seen from the offensive line, Brian, you're right. I, I think it's the most consistent group they've yeah. had in, in quite some time, just, you know, snap after snap, putting good stuff on tape. But I, I really like what I've seen from Max Duggan, man. And, uh, of course, he, he he brings a lot in the run game, right? He's a tough kid, but since when does he throw such a good deep ball, man? I mean, he's, he's pushing it down the field. Do you remember, Gabe, you and I had this conversation at Big 12 Media Days at Cowboy Stadium. I remember I remember we talking about okay, I think you you even said hey, does Max take that next step? And I said okay, define that next step. You know, is that is is that a baby step, you know, Simon says take a baby step or is that, you know, one giant leap for mankind? And I and I felt like that the Max needed to take a few baby steps. And and it's gotten him to the point where I think he's one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. I mean, here's a guy who worked hard in the offseason about getting the ball out on time. That was the number one thing. Hey, let's get it out on time. He worked hard hard on the offseason about throwing that mid-range to deep ball. Hey, I, I got to connect on those a little bit better than I have in the past. You know, he's also thought uh, long and hard about, okay, I got to think uh, I got to think pass first, not run first. Which if you remember last year, I mean, it was run first a lot. And so I think all those things start to add up. This is a this is a maturation of a quarterback. I mean, he's a smart kid. His dad's a coach. He studies film all the time. He's the kind of guy that if you got a daughter, you want him hanging out with. He, he you know, you, you'd be you'd be happy if he was the babysitter. I mean, it's one of those sorts of things. And so you, you pull for him. You know, he's going to give you all he's got. And I think that's I think that's what's happening. It's starting to pay off for him now. Well, Quentin Johnson, I, you know, I think that. Athletically, potential-wise, should be the best wide receiver in the Big Twelve. Frankly, uh, in, in my opinion, and just he's made some some special plays as we as as we've seen, and, and that he's capable of. But gosh, they got to get him going more, right? If yeah. they're gonna offensively get to where they want to go, and I know he's he's been banged up, but yeah, the last he's got to be force fed. And, and, and you, I, I agree. To, uh, I agree. He's got. He's got to get looks. He's got to get touches. They got to. They got to get him the the football. Here's the thing, though, Teddy. But you know, the last couple of games he has been hurt. But prior to that, I'm trying to think back. I guess it was the cow game, or was it uh, Texas? I know it was Texas. He he had a couple of drops, and that is not Quentin Johnson. I mean, he doesn't drop the football, and so I think they just got to get him some some early throws. Let him get his confidence back. Let him kind of get back into the rhythm of the game. He's too special. You know, he's a guy you got to target a bunch. Uh, he's a guy that runs by people. and uh, But he's not the only one they have at wide receiver. I mean, it's it's a group that can kind of mix and match. They, you know, they got a couple of guys that can go get it. Quentin's a guy that can go get it. Quincy Brown's a guy. Savion Williams both bring a little height to the game. But then you got Darius Davis. You got Jerry uh, J.D. Spillman. You got some guys in the slot, you know, that can, they can give you a different look. Blair Conright's a guy with great hands, runs pretty good routes. 
So I, you know, I, I, I think that they're in there, but they're also banged up at wide receiver. That's the other issue that they're dealing with. So, but I, I'm with you. He's got to get a bunch of looks. They, they, they've got to target him a bunch if he's able to go on Saturday night and in Norman. I, I know that he missed the second half of the game with the foot uh, against Tech, yeah. but I, I'm choosing to believe that we're going to see number six, Zach Evans, in this football game, Brian. And boy, is this kid a freak. Yeah, he's a special at the running player. back position. I mean, you, you've been you've been calling TCU games for a long time. Where where does he kind of like stack up in the special players you've seen on offense for them? And, and they've had some good running backs over the years. I mean, obviously, there's nobody like Ladanian Tomlinson. I mean, you know, LT goes down as as the top, but this guy's got a chance to leave as the as the uh, as the second best back to ever come through here. I hope Kenneth Davis isn't listening to this podcast. You know, long time Buffalo Bill, but he's. Uh, He's a special guy. He's a special player. You know, he he he's done everything that this program has asked of him. Uh, you know, and there was it was a lot of talk about how we came, how we arrived. But here's a guy who's done well in the classroom. He's been great in the community. He's been terrific on the field. Uh, you know, he he uh, he gets better the more touches that he gets, and he's got not he still hasn't gotten a ton. I mean, this isn't like like Bijan who's carrying it thirty five times a game, uh, but he still makes a difference. I mean, what is I think he still has, and he, and he doesn't he still have the best yards per carry average of an active player in college football right now. I mean, this guy's averaging eight yards a touch every time he touches it. It's eight yards. I mean, so he's a special player. You know who he reminds me of? This is gonna be too old for you guys. You both are young. You know who he reminds me of a little bit? He reminds me of Billy Sims. Remember Billy Sims who played at Oklahoma? Played played for the Detroit. That's too old for you guys. Yeah, look at you guys. Like, who the hell? Never heard of him. Who's that again? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, seriously. He reminds me of Billy Sims. Um, You know, I'm not saying he's there yet. But he's a guy that has that kind of uh, that kind of cut to him, that kind of speed to him. It's probably probably runs a little bit uh, higher than Billy does, but just kind of has that carry about him, if you know what I mean. You expect to see anything different offensively? I mean, TCU is is pretty much down the middle offensively of what we see in this conference. I mean, it's it's a lot of your standard stuff. Um, Oklahoma has trouble when people change it up whenever they right. throw different personnel groups at them, shifts and motions, and just some different type of things. Do you expect them to to maybe get out of their comfort zone a little bit offensively and, and show some different things? Yeah, not, not Gary Patterson style, not Jerry Kill style. Jerry's kind of the, uh, you know, the head coach for the offense at, at TCU. That's, that's not his style. He's, he's going he's gonna, to you know, line up and try to beat you. He's going to run the football. Tight end's going to be involved in the, in the game a little bit, not necessarily in the throwing game, but he's going to be involved in the running game a lot. They're gonna, you know, they'll, they'll bring three tight ends and run behind him and, and things of that. And I, I think it's going to be a team that's going to kind of tr- control the football, control the clock, reduce the number of uh, possessions, as we talked about, slow things down a little bit, uh, and, and keep the defense off the field because it's a defense that's banged up. I mean, that's where the concern is, guys. Uh, you know, let, let, let's face it, the way they're banged up in the defensive backfield with Without Corey Bethley along the front, Kyrie Coleman not at 100% at defensive end. You know, they, they, the longer they can extend their weight to being on the field, I think that's better for TCU. Yes. But, you know, they're not going to show up in the wing, T, Teddy. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> okay, so looking looking at the defensive side of things, Brian, uh, yeah. you mentioned Kari Coleman missed a lot of time this year, but we did see him against tech and certainly looks like he can still play the guy that 
I mean, just such a quiet year from O'Shawn Mathis at the defensive end position. What's going on? Because this is a team that I am used to seeing have edge guys get to the quarterback. They have just not had that element to their defense so far this season. They have struggled getting to the QB. And I, and I think some of that is, I think this for several reasons. One is I think teams know they got to get rid of the football quick against TCU. Uh, I think that's one reason so that reduces your opportunities to get to the quarterback. One is Texas ran it. I mean, it was, it was all day Bijan, let's face it. Uh, so that you, that reduces your number of chances to get to the, uh, to get to the quarterback. This, the third thing that O'Shawn Mathis misses is Kyrie Coleman on the other side. You know, all, all of a sudden, you don't have to worry about both ends. You know, Dylan Horton has done an admirable job, but he's not Kyrie Coleman at defensive end. And so I think that, uh, you know, once you get those two guys back at full strength, nobody keys on one side or the other, you know, I, I think that'll, that'll free up both of those guys to be better. In fact, uh, O'Shawn has talked about that all all year. You know, he's got to get his running buddy back, his hunting buddy, uh, and, and that's Kyrie. And I, I think once that happens, and that could be this week back at 100% for Coleman, that uh, – I think that really kind of shakes things up a little bit. You know, I think at tackle they've been good enough. I'll be honest with you with that. Even without Corey Bethley, uh, they could have used him uh, against Texas. But I think I, 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 even without him, they've been good enough at defensive tackle. But uh, you're right; they got to get some pressure on the edge. Linebackers have to play better too, guys. I mean, D. Winters was good early, uh, but then he kind of went into a little bit of lull. He came back a little bit at Texas Tech, but. Uh, Team misses Garrett Wallow. I mean, let's face it, Garrett Wallow is a special player at linebacker, made a bunch of tackles. They've missed a bunch of tackles at linebacker. And when you when you do that, and then you got young guys in the defensive backfield that can cause problems. And I think that's what TCU's been dealing with. What's the talk down there about defending quarterback at Oklahoma? You know, we got two different guys that right. offer two totally different looks. I mean, one guy is an absolute animal running the the ball, the other guy's more of a pocket guy. What's been that? What that? What has that discussion been like this week? Well, you know, it, it really hasn't been that. It, it hadn't had to be that too much of a discussion because we read the Oklahoma Student Newspaper and they said Caleb Williams is the. Am I wrong? I mean the the paper said Caleb Williams. I mean, I'm looking at my chart. I, I got Caleb Williams running with the ones. Am I wrong there? I mean, oh, it was, it's so it's, good. I mean, it was a public building. You know, oh, and, wow. and, and no staff members, so they couldn't watch. So I, I got Caleb Williams with the one. So I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how, who else you prepare for. Listen, I, I think TCU thinks they're going to see both of them. Uh, it'd be crazy not to play both of them. And they're both talented quarterbacks. I mean, you know, if, if I had t- two guys that could play like that, I'd play, I'd play them as well. So, you know, the, the thing that Gary talked about at, uh, on Tuesday at his press conference was, I mean, does it matter? Yeah, they kind of give you a little bit of a different look, but, uh, but Lincoln's going to do what Lincoln does, you know, no matter who's out there. So you just got to prepare for Oklahoma. You don't prepare for Spencer. You don't prepare for Caleb. You, pre- you prepare for Oklahoma. And I think that's what, uh, what TCU is trying to figure on you. Okay. I got a question about one guy on the defense. It seems to be the guy that, you know, when people talk about TCU defense right now, he's the guy that comes up. Trey Hodges, Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Yeah. He's how, how good, how good is he? Right. He, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he seems like he's just always there making plays on the football. He's a pro. Uh, and, and I, and I didn't know that I'll be honest with you. You know, he was a late, late, late offer. Uh, he was going to, I'm trying to think where, where was he going to go? Fellas, he was going to go. Baylor was involved a little bit. I'm trying to think, but I, I think he was going to go to like 
Stephen F or somewhere like that. And TCU came in way late. Obviously, he's a nephew of uh, of Ladanian, and uh, they they came in late on him. And then he he has turned into a player. He has worked his tail off, guys, uh, and he's tougher than nails. He'll he, as he likes to say, "I'm just a dog out there." That's his, you know. He's I'm just a dog, and you got to have some dogs on defense. Um, but he he's a guy that'll play in the parking lot. It doesn't matter when, where, how, what time. Where it, 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 he'll play you anytime, anywhere. It, it doesn't matter that he's undersized. If, if he's matched up against a six five guy, he's going to fight that guy. He might be hitting him in the hip, but he's going to be fighting him. Uh, you know, he he's he's just got that about him, and he's a gamer. He comes up big in games, and so yeah, I I think the guy's going to be a pro. We've had some scouts who've come through who said they really love him. Uh, that they think he's working his way well, well up into the draft. Um, and, and, and you've seen guys like that just kind of play with an attitude. And so, you know, he knows what it's supposed to look like. He's, he's level-headed His uh, his uncle's done a nice job of keeping him grounded, but also letting him know, Hey, well, here's what it takes to get to that next level. And so, you know, he played a little bit of safety a couple of games ago. He'd never played it at TCU, never practiced it at TCU. So they had to kind of reduce what they were doing, but that's how banged up Gary Patterson's defense was. Uh, but he, he and, I, and that was a Texas game. And I think he finished with nine tackles. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of any game you name for, uh, for Trey Hodges Tomlinson. He's, he's a guy that, uh, you know, if you could bottle him up and have, have, uh, 85 of them on your, on your roster, you'd take it. You mentioned offensively, the game plan is possess the football, slow the game down, keep the defense off the field. And that's been the formula to, mm-hmm. to at least give yourself a chance late against Oklahoma. And we've seen bunch of teams do it this year and have success and you know we're in a dogfight in the fourth quarter um now the defensive side of that equation has been play soft play really conservative play off force everything underneath you know try and keep the the big play from killing you and you know five six yard runs we're okay with that because we're going to make them do it all the way down the field um, shockingly, Texas didn't do that. Texas came out and was aggressive as yeah. hell. It was weird, but do but, it you worked, expect- but, it, but it worked. It worked early too. Yeah, yeah. I mean it it worked. It, it works until it doesn't, you know. And you give up that that those big explosive plays, those big long runs. Um, but do you is that what you expect TCU to to maybe do? There is is trying to keep everything in front and calculated risk. You gotta you gotta be aggressive at times, but but not just the main focus is don't give up the huge chunks. I think that's I think that's safe to say. I mean, I think Gary over the years, you know, I, I think early on, and I've been I, I've been with him his entire time as a head coach here at TCU. Um, he he is he is not as much of a risk taker as he was, and and I think that comes with age, doesn't it, for all of us? Uh, you, you know, look at Teddy's investments, Gabe. I mean, look how conservative he's gotten. I mean, it's a lot of money, but I mean, it's like a pyramid, you know, yeah, a little yeah. bit up at the yeah, top exactly. where you're aggressive. Right. And then- I mean, it's it's a, it's a lot of money that he has in there, but he's real conservative with it. And I think Gary. Gary Patterson's the same way. You know, I think he's gotten to the point now where now, you know, I, I, I'm not going to blitz you on every down. I'm going to drop eight. And, he, you know, that happened. Uh, it, it's funny. We were at Tech last week, and, and, and we talked about the uh, – TC got beat 70 to 35 out there. Sonny Cumbie was a quarterback back then. Uh, and TC was up early and got beat 70 to 35. And after that game, 
Gary Patterson changed his defense, his, his mindset a little bit. And you saw, you saw a lot more a drop and eight, rushing three, kind of developing that and, and, and coming up with a scheme that, to handle those sorts of offenses. And I, and I think he's more and more comfortable with that. Now, does that mean that he won't dial up the heat every once in a while? No, he will. He'll take some chances, and he's going to try to fool you with it. Um, but I, I think you'll see more of what West Virginia did as opposed to what Texas did defensively against uh, Oklahoma. Does that make sense? Yeah. Definitely. And we'll let you run after this one, Brian. For whatever reason, when I hear when I hear Gary Patterson talk about Lincoln Riley, and I right. hear Lincoln Riley talk about Gary Patterson, with, with Gary having his reputation defensively and, and Lincoln having his reputation offensively, do you feel, and I know coaches say they treat every game the same, but do you feel like both of these coaches, they, they feel like extra challenged when they're going? Because that's like, that's the sense I get. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's because, I, I think that's a total respect issue. I, I, I think it's because Gary knows, hey, this guy's a really good offensive mind. And, and I, think, I think Lincoln knows, hey, this guy's a really good defensive coach. And so because of that, when you, when you play the best, you know, when you're, when you're going up against the best, you know, I think it adds a little extra something to it. I don't think it's recruiting wars. I don't think there's bad blood. I, don't, I, think, it's, I think it's genuine respect. And, and when you hear these guys talk about each other, I, 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 that's what I get. I don't, I don't know if you guys read it differently than I do. But for me, that's what it comes across as. And so I, I think Gary Patterson, whenever he plays guys that are known as offensive gurus, you get a little extra something out of it. And so I, I think that's I think that's the case when TCU plays Oklahoma and it's and, and it's Lincoln Ryan. And and let's let's face it, I mean, Gary is a guy who has made a living and a pretty, I mean, like a Teddy, Teddy Layman size living. He's Close. made a really good living knowing that he's not supposed to be here, or at least people telling him that, you know, hey, you you weren't supposed to be a head coach, you're not supposed to be at a power five school, TCU's not supposed to be a power, you know, all those things that he's kind of chipped away at for two decades. And so he sees Oklahoma and he sees Texas and he sees blue bloods. And so as a guy who's always been fighting uphill, you know, he's going to, he's going to fight a little harder in those games. And I think that's why you see what you see out of Gary Patterson in those. Well, can't wait to see you Saturday, man. What, when are you coming down? Uh, I'll come down. Uh, I'll come down Saturday. I mean, they, uh, there's a whole. It's a it's a legal issue there in that state. I can't spend the night. It's no big deal. I'm, I'm working <laughs> through it uh, in Oklahoma. It's I've I've learned you have it. a chaperone when you're here. Yes, yeah, and she's nice. I mean, she's older and big, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, she, you know, she at least we stop at Brahms and Ardmore, and that takes care of that. So you know, she's happy for the rest of the day. Uh, and then we, then we roll our way on into a Norman. So it, it works out. Okay. So, and then they eat a bowl of fruity pebbles. Exactly. <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking while we were sitting here the whole time we're having this conversation, I'm like kicking myself in the butt here. I'm like, how do you not bring up cinnamon toast crunch? <laughs> That's a good point. No, I mean, seriously. We did. What did we just do? 20 minutes. And I'm going dad gummit Estridge. You just 20 minutes. And you didn't even bring up cinnamon toast crunch. Uh, and, I, and I want to apologize to all those Cinnamon Toast Crunch fans out there for not doing that. Well, all of our Cinnamon Toast Crunch loving listeners, tweet yeah. him at Brian Estridge on Twitter. Let him know that he made a grave, grave error.
I got a uh, I got a text from Toby this morning with a list of provisions he needs from the city. I'll bring those on Saturday. So <laughs> he's okay. Oh, Brian, I love you, man. We'll see you Good Saturday, man. buddy. Thank you. All right, fellas. See you Saturday. Estridge is the absolute best, man. Love that guy. He's awesome. Nothing but jokes. And literally, I was worried that we were that was going to go off the tracks and it was going to be like a 45-minute interview, which would have been fine because Brian's hilarious, but I was like, oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> you, you're trying to rein it in there. Just, just pull us back a little bit. Keep us focused here. He's the man, though. Gosh, he's funny. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need InsuraCut in your life. InsureCut is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. InsureCut is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. InsureCut's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with InsureCut's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And here is the moment you have all been waiting for. Take it away, Ted. Three, two, and... One guys, it's still warm outside, and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop L Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. Oh, how you feel? I, if I don't anyone, know what if anyone, I just Teddy didn't ad read. He did it, and this is going to make we we literally got an Apple Podcast review title. Teddy, it's time. The <laughs> listeners need Teddy reading the seltzer app. This comes, it came from Kuhn123. So there you go, Kuhn123. Yes. You're happy, buddy. <laughs> How'd it feel? You good? Everything all good? I, I think it went okay for the first time around. There was a couple of problems in there that I've got to work on, but I think we'll get it. For, for the first time, not bad. Okay. You can make it your own. That's your read now. That's all you. You got it. Okay. All right. National College Football Roundup. Number 12, Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, they didn't play last week, but people may have forgot. They're number 12 in the country. Undefeated. Oklahoma State at number 25, Texas. Texas a five, some places five and a half point favorite. This game is so interesting to me, man. Uh, I mean, Texas coming off a physically taxing and emotionally devastating loss where they blew a 28 to seven lead to their arch rival. Oklahoma State had a bye week. They were getting fresh. They were, they were getting their legs back under them, and I'm sure they are feeling rejuvenated, and they've had two weeks to prepare for this Texas team. Now, just from what we saw in Dallas, Texas' offense, they have found a rhythm, right? Bijan is legit. I mean, he is, he's, he's going to rip off long runs. I mean, there's just no stopping it. Xavier Worthy, 
he clearly can take the top off of a defense. And even though he, he got hit a ton, like Casey Thompson is, he's playing some good ball, man. Almost 400 yards and five touchdowns, no picks. That typically wins a game easily. Typically. So sorry. How unfortunate <laughs> they didn't get it done. But after what we saw Kennedy Brooks and OU do against Texas's defense, I can't imagine, Ted, that OSU is going to change their formula that's been working for them. And that formula is run the rock with Jalen Warren, limit the number of times Spencer Sanders has to throw the ball, and play great defense. I think, I think this is going to be a great game. I don't trust Spencer Sanders at all, but maybe Tay Martin bails him out and goes up and grabs one, high points it, and prevents him from throwing an interception to Texas. But I have trusted Oklahoma State's defense up to this point. couple weeks to prepare, getting a little healthier. I don't think I can bail on him now, Ted, especially being a road dog, which – they're the higher-ranked team. They're probably going to feel a little disrespected as well. And I picked Oklahoma State to finish ahead of Texas before the season in the Big 12. So, I've got Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning the same way. Um, the running game, Texas, they just have a hard time, man, defensively. They don't tackle well. I mean, Overshown plays his tail off he's a really good player but outside of that they they just they don't tackle very well and if you're not going to tackle well then you're going to give up a bunch of yards in the running game to Oklahoma State Uh, I think it's close I think it's much lower scoring than our game with them was and as long and I know this is a huge ask but as long as Spencer Sanders can't have really bad turnovers for them um, if, if they can limit that, I think they probably win the game. Let me ask you something. This, it's an 11 o'clock kick. We'll, we'll, let's say Oklahoma State goes down there and handles business and looks good doing so, and you know Texas can't stop them running the football. Is there any outcome in this game that, that can change your opinion of, of what you think of OU? Or maybe even if, if Texas goes and looks great and just – maybe stomps Oklahoma State. Is Will you be looking at this game to maybe bolster your opinion one way or the other on Oklahoma? Yeah, I, I think it's only natural, right? Yeah. I mean, we just saw them. Uh, I was just down on the field, you know, right next to those kids from Texas. Like, Still feels like that game was yesterday, doesn't it? Well, it lasted like 10 hours, right? <laughs> I mean, it was, the long, it was the most emotionally draining game I've ever been a part of. The game it was, was just, a weekend. It was the whole weekend. It was ridiculous. It took like two days to recover from it, and I wasn't even drunk. Like, I was just there talking on the radio. Like, what? But I will, and I think, so Mike Gundy, and he said this publicly, they played good defense. He knows this is a different kind of test than anything they've seen up to this point. Right, he, he, he basically has said, hey, we're going to find out what we're made of defensively against Texas. If OSU goes out there and holds Texas to like 14 or 17, I'm going to be looking at the Oklahoma defense going, huh. Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, right? I think Texas is going to score some points. I mean, they got a lot of talent, but 
it wouldn't shock me if OSU held them under, you know, 21. I wouldn't be stunned. But if that happens, I will be like, hmm. I thought this. Remember when this Oklahoma defense was supposed to be the strength of the football team? Texas offense didn't look great against TCU. I mean, Bijan ran it well, but. And TCU gift wrapped them a couple of scores in that game yes, with special teams mistakes. Yep. And terrible turnovers. Terrible so. turnovers. So, I, I mean, I, that's why I'm so interested in that game. Because not only, I, I think we're going to learn about Texas, we're going to learn a lot about Oklahoma State, but I think you're right. I think there's going to be something to take away from that game for OU. And I just, I guess we'll find out if it's positive or negative. Yeah. I, and I, I, I don't know. It, it would be a, it would be kind of a gut punch to, to my confidence if Texas goes out and does not look good against Oklahoma state. And I got to imagine that everyone else probably feel the same way. Yeah. But everyone will say, no, no, no. Texas plays OU better. You know that. You know that. We true. get a Texas best shot. That's true. But it would be <laughs> nice if Texas got. went out there and scored some points. Right. They just put up 48 on OU. Just saying. Okay, next game. Number 11, Kentucky. You heard that correctly. Number 11, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. Georgia is a 23-point favorite. My God. Battle of two undefeated teams. And let's let's show, be, before both of us pick Georgia to win this game, we talk about how their defense is going to shut Kentucky down because that's where this is headed. Let's show Kentucky some love. We love our man Mark Stoops. Mm-hmm. They're coming off back-to-back wins over Florida and LSU. I mean, that is big time for Kentucky. You know, some people may only know their quarterback, Will Levis, for eating weird stuff on the internet. If uh, some people may say he put mayonnaise in coffee and drank it. It was really weird. But he also had five touchdowns against LSU. And he can run it a little bit. He's tough. Like, he's fun to watch. But Kentucky, this is what they're known for now. They're known for their play along the offensive and defensive lines. Like, they are. they have made a reputation of being tough-ass dudes along the line of scrimmage. And they're putting a bunch of dudes in the league. So, just a reminder, Kentucky had more draft picks than OU last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like they don't have any chance. They've also, they've got a top 20 defense. (laughs) Like they're playing good, good defensively. Chris Rodriguez is a really good running back. How good you ask? He's leading the SEC in rushing. Wondell Robinson, he's having a career year at wide receiver for him. That all being said, they're playing the best team in the country in Athens, Georgia. I expect Kentucky, even though I think Chris Rodriguez is a good player, I expect him to struggle running the football against that Georgia, uh, that Georgia defense. I expect them to continue their dominance. We'll see if it's our boy Stetson or JT Daniels. I would go with Stetson Bennett. I like yeah. what he brings uh, as a kind of as an athlete to the position, but they're just going to hand it off to the law firm of running backs. White could, what is it? White, White, White. I can't even speak. White, Cook, Milton, and what's the last one? McIntosh? McIntosh. McIntosh. Even though I think McIntosh had a hammy last week and didn't play. But whoever plays quarterback will make the necessary throws. George is going to win the game. That's a disrespectful spread 
to Kentucky, though. Jeez. It is. Um, it, it It's just it's a different level right now with how well Georgia's playing. Um, they've hit their stride. And I, Kentucky, ton of respect for them. It is a disrespectful um, spread, 23 points. My question is, if it is Stetson at quarterback, does he have double-digit throws in the game? Yes, because I, I do think, like Kentucky, dude, they, they have, I mean, they got a physical football team. Like, they are going to battle at the line of scrimmage with Georgia, and whoever plays quarterback is going to have to throw it around a little bit. If they, if, if Stetson Bennett has more than, like, 12 passes, they don't win that game by 23. I agree with that, I think. I don't think they're going to win it by 23. They may win it by they, 21. If they're, if they're up by a big margin, like they're not, they will not throw the football at all and not give them a chance at all to stay in the game. White, Cook, Milton, and McIntosh. <laughs> the Georgia law firm of running backs. Okay, so normally, this part of the pod, we do three games at least, right? Those are the obvious two. On the slate, week seven of college football. So I picked, uh, I was looking at the other ones, and there's not really any other great games. BYU at Baylor is interesting, but that game lost a lot of sizzle with BYU losing to Boise last week. Ole Miss at Tennessee, our boy Heupel, he's he scoring yeah. some points. I mean, that maybe that's more interesting. We got Farmageddon, Ted, in Manhattan, Iowa State. Both teams coming off a of bye. See what Skylar Thompson looks like health wise. See what Iowa State's talking about, right? I still think at the end of the season, they're going to be right in the middle of the picture of the Big 12. But how about number 20 Florida at LSU? And I do not really care about either of these teams. I think it is well documented, sir, how you feel about Dan Mullen. People <laughs> still bring that up to us all the time. But I don't have any interest in talking about Emory Jones. Okay, he's fine at quarterback. You know, he's an athlete. It's, it's, he's fun to watch at times. But I also don't have much interest in talking about Max Johnson and LSU's offense that is not functioning the way that they expected it to function, especially since Kayshawn Boutte is out for the year. He was what made me want to watch LSU. Yep. But this is interesting. Because LSU is three and three, and it's really starting to feel like Ed Orgeron's job is on the line. This is a guy that won a national championship two years ago. It's to that point, right? Yeah. A year and a half ago, really. I mean, he they never should have gave him the contract they gave him. I don't feel sorry for LSU at all whenever they have to pay a gargantuan buyout. Everybody knew what was going on there. Everyone knew what the situation was. Happened to pull together the right pieces at the right time. Everyone knew it was going to be a one-off year. You knew that you were going to lose Brady um, to, to some other coaching position somewhere. You, you knew it was going to happen. So when they gave him that huge contract, 
I knew it was a massive mistake. So, yeah, I, I honestly don't think he makes it through the year. I don't. But, you know, I didn't expect that he was going to make it much longer anyways. Whenever, whenever all this stuff started leaking out, I, a lot of times you can kind of tell what's going on whenever – uh, your own school starts leaking out details of investigations going on around the school. That's usually a pretty good hint. And I'm sure that stuff's going to start popping back up here anytime now. And I don't know that that job's going to be interesting. Um, whoever takes it, that one thing you can say about LSU, man, it's usually a one shot type of, uh, type of season, but, Every three or four years, they're going to put together a squad that's going to be really tough to beat. Yeah, you look at their next month, Florida, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, and then they host Arkansas. Yikes. I mean, yikes. So, going to be tough. We'll see. But that game's interesting because Coach O is – He's on a burning hot seat. We'll see. All right, let's get to wet the beak. But first, are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Soft Rock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean, and seal your rotting grass-filled joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Only one game to pick for what to be in the NFL this weekend. Cardinals, Browns. Kyler Baker Browns are a two and a half point favorite at home in Cleveland Cardinals come into this one as the only undefeated team in the league that Cleveland offense was great last week against the Chargers even though for whatever reason people want to say Baker sucks in fact they are the only I believe the only team ever to lose a game when scoring 40 plus points and not turning the football over Teams were 463-0 and before they lost that game to the Chargers. So, yeah, no, but it's Baker's fault. Okay, got it. But Cleveland's defense, I mean, it got carved up by Justin Herbert and the Chargers. 
And Kyler and the Cardinals, that that wide receiver core, they're looking good. And they're looking to do the same thing that the Chargers did to Cleveland's defense. Now, the Cardinals aren't going to have probably – some call it the most important position in football, which is center. You know, some say quarterback, mm-hmm. some say center. But Rodney Hudson, stud center for them, not going to be able to go in this game. That is – I'm not sure people realize how big of a loss that is, how good of a player he is, and how, he, how good of a career he has had. He's been outstanding. But we'll see if James Conner and that run game can get going. He's having a nice season. It, it may come down to whether or not that defensive front from the Cardinals can slow down Cleveland's running game, Ted, because that, that's what Cleveland wants to do, right? That's their offense. Not going to help that Chandler Jones has tested positive for COVID. And I think it's safe to assume he won't play in this one, uh, it seems like a gray area, but you would assume he's not going to play. That clearly is a huge loss for that football team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Cleveland wins a football game. Um, it's supposed to be like rainy and colder all through the Midwest on Friday, Saturday, and maybe into Sunday. Um, that turf in Cleveland is already excruciatingly slow. Um, I think that's going to slow Kyler and that offense down. I just, I think it's going to be a, a Cleveland run game. Like they're, they're going to, they're going to put on a display with that running game. Um, Baker's not going to have to air it out a ton, although as he proved against the chargers, he still can. Um, but I think it's I think it's going to come down to who has the best defensive running game, and I, and I still think it's Cleveland. Am am I crazy? And I know the Cardinals are undefeated. Am I crazy to think that Cleveland's a better football team? Like, just I think they're a better team, and that's why they're going to win the game. Uh, no, I, I know it's I a week by week so. league, but I mean, just the way that their roster is built, I think they're I think they have a better team. I might I I would probably feel be, feel differently about this game. If it was in Arizona, not just that it was, it's a home game, but played indoors. And I know that's not a turf field, but I think that suits Arizona. That's a, it's a super fast track. Have you ever played in there? It's yeah, like, we played, I, I played UConn in a Fiesta Bowl in there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, it, you know, remember when like, UConn had a football team? Yeah. It's like, it's rock hard and it's really, really fast. And I think that suits the Cardinals offense way better. Uh, this game is going to feel like a Midwest football game with thick grass and wet and gray skies. I just, I just feel like that suits Cleveland the way they play right now. It's going to be their type of football game, I believe. Yeah, the, the only thing that has me a little hesitant is like we're recording this on Wednesday night. The, the injury list for Cleveland was like, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Miles Garrett. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what they end up looking like once Sunday rolls around. But I did I did hesitate a little bit when I when I saw their injury report. But then for the Cardinals, it was like Chandler Jones probably out, Rodney Hudson out. I was like, okay, I feel good about taking uh taking the Browns to cover that two and a half. Yeah, no, I, I like it. Um 
I do think it's going to be a lower scoring football game, though. So it's probably going to be really, really tight. Two and a half. I, I would say Browns win it by a field goal. Yeah. NFL kickers have been really reliable lately. So what, what could go wrong? Great. Uh, All right. Let's get to our winners and losers of the week. Ted, as always, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? It's got to be Daniel Snyder, doesn't it? You've got 650,000 emails sent or looked at for this investigation that is supposed to be a confidential investigation, yet you get leaked emails on John Gruden, not with the Washington football team, now leaked emails on Shefty, and, and how he's writing an article and having someone okay an article before he puts it out there. You've got all this being leaked, but nothing on Snyder has been leaked and it was fined $10 million in the process of this investigation. I don't know. I, I'd say that somehow he's, he's covered his tracks amazingly well and nothing has uh, been leaked anywhere on him my guess is his time's coming i you have to assume right are they just taking care of each other the the it's the good old boy club the owners and like there's it's not going to see the light of day I don't know. I feel like they've been trying to get rid of Daniel Snyder for forever now. I know. That's true. It's true. I, I don't know. I don't know why, but it, it all just seems so strange. And it, no way am I trying to defend anything on Gruden. Absolutely not. It just seems strange of everything that's been looked at that that is what gets leaked. And the manner in which it went down, it was also really weird. Like, there's a leak. He addresses it. He apologizes. He coaches a football game. He does a press conference after the football game. And it's like, okay, well, I guess they're, they're going to roll with this. And it's like, oh, no, 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 you're not. Here comes a whole nother trove of things that are leaked out. I just think it's weird how it's all gone down. and. Nothing on Daniel Snyder. Really interesting. It's been confusing from the Snyder standpoint. Like, yes, I, I, I have, I, I will not lie. I've thought multiple times, like, really, nothing from Snyder. Like that guy seems like the worst, and this whole thing is because the culture in his organization is so terrible, and there's nothing on the guy. Well, it's all confidential. It's all confidential except for Gruden. Seems weird. Hmm. Seems weird. Probably a good lesson. Don't be an asshole to people's face via text message, via email, email. anything else, social media, carrier pigeon. <laughs> I just, I have just be a good person. Carrier pigeon. Just, t- yeah. Stop, stop sending that crazy stuff via carrier pigeon. T- no, I just, did you see Brandon Staley, the, uh, the coach from the chargers address no. it today? Uh-uh. You got to go find that video. It's, 
I mean, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I think that I think a lot of people are becoming Chargers fans. And it has a lot to do with Justin Herbert, but also after people see that video of him talking about this whole situation, he he's gonna gain some fans. It was uh it was very well done. But yeah, John Gruden. Be a better person, man. Yeah, that's and this uh, once again, this leads to just me going back to one of my life mottos, man. Play stupid games, win stupid <laughs> prizes. Just be nice to people. It's not hard, man. It's not. And I think I'm saying man so much because I'm talking about Gruden. You know, man. man. Come on, man. Come on. Uh, All right. Daniel Snyder, they're coming for you. It's gonna, it's it's coming. I'm telling you. But he has to be the winner right now that he's he's skated through this thing super clean. Somehow squeaky clean. Like the most disliked guy in the NFL, except for Roger Goodell, probably. And squeaky clean. Interesting. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with James Franklin. And it's really the whole situation. It's not necessarily James Franklin. Kirk Ferentz was asked a question. He addressed it in his press conference and basically alluded to the fact that Penn State guys were faking injuries in the football game. And then James Franklin was asked about it, and he pulled some piece of paper out of his pocket and went into some big, long spiel about everything. But here's the thing, man. If you lay on the field and stop play and then come back in the game on the same series or even the next series, I'm I'm pretty much saying that you're faking an injury or you are you just lack any amount of toughness at all. And that's really my frustration is when you lay on the football field not every time but almost always you are saying my day here is done. I just I get annoyed whenever I see guys laying on the field, walking off, grabbing a Gatorade, getting a squirt, and then jogging back on the field two or three plays later. That that is one of my biggest pet peeves. Did you did you see how Kurt Ferentz phrased it? That the the crowd was booing them because yeah. they smelled a rat. <laughs> thought that was so funny but you know what i'm saying i mean that's and i get it that the offenses but iowa's not like an up-tempo offense or anything by any means um and i understand whenever an offense is just like running you up and down the field like you've got to figure out a way to to slow the game down and i know that that's one of the ways that people do it but i i don't know i am just not a fan of that at all yeah uh faking an injury to slow down an up-tempo team is known as the von miller around uh around the eichard household yeah and he admitted i was teammates with him in denver he admitted to doing that so was that 2010 11 11 i don't know it was at kyle field 
Habern snapped the ball over uh, had the first play of the game. Not good. Because 11 was at home. That's when Broyles got hurt. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. We've gone down a weird rabbit hole here. Yeah. But if you're faking an injury on a football field, or if you're not even faking it, but you lay there and have people come out, walk you off, and you come back into the same series, loser. All righty then. You such a tough guy, man. I love it. <laughs> you probably Dude, drink. You never did that. Did you ever? Do I never that? got hurt. I actually, the one time I actually got hurt was my rookie year, third preseason game. Blew my knee out, and You're done. I was walking. I was on the ground. I was like, "Uh, that doesn't feel good." The trainers started coming out. I got up and started walking to them. They're like, "You okay?" And I said, "Pretty sure I just blew my knee out." And the look on the trainer's face is like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, I think." Like I was like, "Something's really wrong." And they yeah. and I walked over to the training table, but that was just my experience. I don't consider myself a very tough dude. I mean, I'm pretty soft. Let's be real, but. I don't know. Maybe I am tough and I just don't know it, Ted. Look at me. You're you're a lot of people, and I've heard this thrown around out there. People think you're a hard ass, just straight up football guy. That is <laughs> when if if my <laughs> wife heard that, my God, she would laugh. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hardo Layman. You're probably a whiskey or bourbon drinker, if uh. I had to guess. So you should stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store, and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to stack some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn, and that's why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcony Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconysDistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Adele, man. Our girl, our girl Adele, announced that her new album dropping November 19th. Oh, so start that? getting your emotions ready, Ted. She's been off for a long time, right? For like new material, three right? years. Yeah. And she put a statement out about it, like announcing the date. The statement was all kinds of emotional, bro. So you know the album is going to be She's absolute got a lot to fire. sing about. Got a lot to be sing amazing. about. I, I I can't wait. I also thought about going. Whoever makes those pregame graphics for the Vegas Golden Knights. Did you oh, see that, that thing? Was awesome. That was crazy. Yeah. I, well, like the, there was a human knight, the Golden Knight, and he was out there in the middle of the ice, and he was slaying a virtual kraken that was being displayed on and the it, ice. Like, it was awesome. Melted and fell apart and went under the water. It was awesome. I was watching. I was like, I think I want to go to a Vegas Golden Knights game. Have you ever heard their national anthem? Oh, where they just sing it as loud as they can? Well, the person sings it, and then whenever they get to the word uh, through the night, everyone like screams night, and then it's back quiet again. It's awesome. That's cool. I haven't seen that. How have I not seen that? I feel, I feel like I've missed out. But winner of the week, Germany. Bet you didn't see this coming. Huh. 
Germany. Oktoberfest? Oh, hey, that added added to it. Yes, that helps. But the National Football League has announced that they're going to start playing some games in Germany. So we've had Mexico City. We've got the London game. And now we're getting a Germany game. There are three cities that have been named finalists. Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, and Munich. I don't know what why I said first Dussel- one? Dusseldorf. I don't know why I said it like that. I have no idea. I don't even know. Like, what was that? It was ridiculous. I but like it. It was awesome. The, the winning host city will be announced at the Super Bowl. So how are we feeling? Like another NFL game to watch at, what, about 9 a.m., maybe 9.30 on a random Sunday? Here's the thing. It. And I don't know, so you're too young, but I played in the NFL like right whenever NFL Europe was, it was still going, but maybe for like one year and then it came to an end whenever I was in the league. Um, Germany, huge football fans, huge. So I think they had three or four teams there. And had massive, massive uh, fan reaction and, and people going to watch the games. Loved the players. The players were like superstars in Germany when it was going on. So it doesn't shock me that they're, that they're doing it in Germany. And it's going to get a much better response than it has in London. Dusseldorf <laughs> was the home of the Rhine Fire in yeah. NFL Europe. Frankfurt was the home of the Frankfurt Galaxy in NFL Europe. So two of these two of these uh, potential host cities they have they, they've done this before but and they kept it going like after NFL Europe stopped they tried to keep it going with their own league and and teams in Dude, Germany. We could we could make a trip out of this like college football uh, I would love for it to be late in the year, right? College football season's over. Go to Germany, drink just a ridiculous amount of beer, watch an NFL game. Doesn't sound terrible. Sounds fantastic. It'll probably be cold, but it's cold here. Who cares? You'd fit right in with the way you say Dusseldorf. (laughs) (laughs) Is that even a German accent? I don't think it is. God. Oh, that's horrible. People are going to turn that up and be like, all right, I've listened to enough of this. Okay, for my loser of the week. Thought about going with J.R. Smith. Please tell me you saw this. Oh, I know you great. I know you did, but he he played in his first college golf tournament, right? He played three rounds. Didn't go particularly well for our man J.R. Smith. Uh inish or finished 29 over, finished 81st out of the 84 players that were participating. So he played bad, right? You know, maybe a little nervous. First tournament. I uh, was hosted by like Elon or something. Those nerds ended up winning, I think. But the poor play was not the worst part for our man J.R. Smith because I believe it was on the third hole. He hits his tee shot. It goes through the rough into some pine straw and goes up to his ball. He's got his push cart, right? And as he's going up to his ball, push cartwheel right on a hornet's nest. The hornets, of course, did not enjoy that. They come out. He's flailing, right? He's running and getting stung by hornets. 
that is an incredible story. I mean, the fact that that happened to him, like uh, to J.R. Smith of all people in his first college golf event, it's like it's made up, man. Like I couldn't believe, I checked three times to make sure this was not an Onion article. I swear. I felt bad for him. Um, I saw the video. I've actually had a similar experience at Jimmy Austin. Um, I got cause yellow jackets are they're They're in the ground is where the nests are. And I, I got, I got hit on the leg. I was wearing shorts and I got stuck. It does make it a little bit difficult to finish a round of golf. Um, it's, it's a pretty bad sting, but you know, it's one of those things that just you're thinking about it for like the next two hours because it's just constant. I felt bad for him. He's already already knows that everyone's going to be watching and talking about what he shoots. Like he's got more pressure than anyone else out there playing in that tournament. Honestly, you know what I'm saying? And to, to add that, it's like, Oh my God, of course this happened, you know? So I hated that for him, but it can't go worse next time, right? The the tough one is is out of the way. Right. I, I mean, I, I I guess he could shoot a worse score, but it's highly unlikely that he encounters a hornet's nest again. I don't see that yeah. happening. I don't even think I don't think he'll encounter a 29 over again either. I hope not. I hope he does well. I really like I, I I'm really hoping like at the end of the year, we're talking about J.R. Smith just like balling in college golf. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, because I, I think it's such an awesome story that he's 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 doing that. He's doing the school. Th- all of it's awesome. So yeah. I hope he doesn't get frustrated by it. Yeah, but my loser of the week, the Oklahoma City Thunder Doubters. Yeah, I watch preseason basketball. I watch preseason basketball. Thunder get a nice win over the Denver Nuggets. And the, the reason I say the, the Thunder Doubters, right? I've been listening to a lot of different things, people talking about the win totals for the NBA season. And I, th- this one, the Thunders, I got this from FanDuel, 22 and a half wins, Teddy, is the, is the total for the Thunder. And remember, last year, only played 72 games. They went 22 and 50. I'm telling you, they're winning 23 games. It may be 23 right on the nose, and there's gonna be, and the point differential is gonna be real bad. But I'll tell you, like, Dort looked good tonight. I mean, basically, the guy can float in the air. And now, hey, three or four from three looks very comfortable shooting the three. Like, I think we're to the point where it is no longer an accident when he hits threes. Like, he's going to be a decent three-point shooter this year. Baisley poured in 16 points against the Nuggets, and I know it's preseason basketball. I understand that. But he hit a couple threes. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, man, he's smooth, man. I, I'm not sure he needs to handle the ball as much as he is currently. Uh, I think he can do some things off the ball, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But Josh Giddy, that's what I'm excited about. Anyone that watched that game tonight, Saw the sweet, smooth little reverse layup. Put up another 14 points. He looks like he belongs out there. So I'm I'm just excited. And I'm telling you, over 22 and a half wins for the Thunder. Suck it, haters. 
you want the good news or the bad news first? I'll take the bad first. Just hit, just punch me right in the face and then make me feel better. The bad news is you can't, you can't just throw a tanking season or group of seasons onto a fan base that's been winning at a high level for an extended amount of time. There has to be a warm-up period. Last season was a warm-up period for the tanking era, okay? It was the warm-up. And frankly, they screwed around last year long enough to cost them some spots in the draft. Not happening this year. Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to have a nagging uh, hamstring and lower back and may have to have thumb surgery. Something, it, it's he's going to miss three quarters of the season. That's just how it's going to go. And, now, and he will have to go to Dusseldorf for treatment. Yes. yes. Yeah, he's going to be, he'll be out of the country. They don't, he's going to have to get like a stem cell treatment or something out of the country. The good news is that with this information, I'm making you a lot of money by betting the under win total. Okay. So you're saying that you at least let them win 23 games, man. Come on. I, they can. You're they saying to, we don't want them to. I'm saying they don't want them to. We don't want them to, and they don't want them to. They are capable of the over. You are correct. There's no doubt they're capable of the over. But they don't want the over. We don't want the over. They've got enough picks. I want to watch them win. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I know. I understand. It's going to take some time. I understand, but I just, I get excited. I'm sorry. Hey, You're right. You're right. They need no, to be terrible, but if you want to enjoy this, well, I don't know if it would make you enjoy it or not, but take the over and cheer your ass off, man. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I'm yep. going to emotionally hedge here. Yep. I'm going to take the over and then, you know, it's not like I'm going to put a bunch of money on it. You know, we'll, well, we'll how much fun do you want? How much do you want it to mean every night? Okay. If you want it to mean a lot, you're going to have to invest in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sleep on it. I'll get back to you. All right. On that note, episode 155 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Of course, we will recap OUTCU. Just a reminder you can hear Teddy from two to six on 94 7 The Ref, and you can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of the week. Have an awesome weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Until-